Welcome to the podcast of the Hubbard Center for Southwest Studies at Colorado College. My name is Santiago Ivanguerra, and I am the W.M. Keck Director of the Hubbard Center for Southwest Studies. First, I'd like to acknowledge the indigenous peoples and ancestors who lived and thrived on the lands where Colorado College and the Hubbard Center is located, particularly the Apache, Arapaho, Comanche, Cheyenne, and the Ute, on whose unceded territories Colorado College was founded. We sit in the shadow of Taba, the Sun Mountain, so named by our Ute relatives. We extend our greeting to all of our relatives in Indian country, but particularly to those in the southwestern United States, the U.S.-Mexico border, and northern Mexico. At the Hulbert Center, we stand and fight for racial justice. We believe that black lives matter, that no human is illegal, that we must honor the lives of missing and murdered indigenous women. We stand in solidarity with those that are marginalized, with women of color, with the LGBTQ community, with immigrants, and with all those who believe that our struggles bring us together in solidarity. Thank you, and stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Santiago here again. So we're doing something a little different with the podcast this time around. I recently taught a course, Marijuana Movement and Cannabis Culture. And before you jump to conclusions, no, this is not a class where students consume cannabis or try different strains out or things like that. No, it's a critical social scientific look, historical look, at how we got to this point in terms of marijuana policy and the role that cannabis plays in all of our lives. Whether you're the individual that's now purchasing CBD products over-the-counter at your local health food store, or the individual seeking out psychoactive cannabis as medicine, this policy shift has really affected all of our lives. And so I found it necessary, given my expertise and my research on the subject, to give students a critical look into thinking about the history and ongoing debates and policy implications of having to try to figure out how to regulate, tax, and really live with this plant in a new way. As part of this course, the students were tasked with the final project of producing something a podcast episode, what we're calling a mini-sode for our own podcast, and trying to inform a broader public about something that they learned about cannabis in this course. So for the next few shorter episodes, we're turning the feed over to these students. You'll have the opportunity to listen to three different mini-sodes focused on cannabis and thinking critically about what this plant uh, really means historically and in the contemporary moment. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, I'd like to recognize the students from this course for doing such great work and producing uh, such great content for us to be able to feature on our podcast feed. Stay tuned.
We're here today to talk about the presence of cannabis on a college campus. As students at Colorado College, we can confidently say that everyone has some form of relationship to cannabis. Whether you partake yourself or you know someone who does, today we want to research more about how cannabis plays a role into policies, consequences, and enforcement of cannabis regulation on the CC campus. To learn more about what consequences could entail, we're first going to look at what the policies actually are surrounding the limitations and prohibitions of cannabis on our campus. In December of 2020, the college decided to renew their contract with the CSPD despite student, faculty, and staff concerns. The Racial Equality Leadership Alliance spearheaded the efforts to change the campus resource officer's role. They suggested changes such as preventing the CRO from carrying deadly weapons on campus and requiring them to have a degree in criminal and constitutional law, sociology, psychology, or conflict resolution. The CRO contract is not binding and is technically a memorandum of understanding. It can be terminated or changed at any time in the next two years before it is up for renew again. In response to the raised concerns, the Campus Safety Oversight Committee was formed, which is made up of students, faculty, and staff. I was unable to find any further information on the committee. Secondly, the college added the following stipulations to the contract, requiring trauma-informed care, anti-racist and mental health workshops for the CRO and campus safety officers. First, we talked to Sid Santos, the CRO officer. I'm actually a police officer with the city of Colorado Springs assigned to the college. I don't actually, I don't enforce policy. I only enforce laws. Is campus safety or the Colorado Springs Police Department in charge of cannabis regulation on campus? Campus safety typically would be the first one to interact with somebody uh, in relation to marijuana violations. So, for example, a few times I've walked through the office, there have been um, what appears to be pipes, bongs, whatever you want to say, that appear to have been used for marijuana use. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I have no involvement with that um, because state of Colorado, city of Colorado Springs, it is legal for a person who is 21 years of age or older to possess those items. So I don't have any observation of any violations, criminal violations, so I do not get involved in that. That is strictly the campus. Now, as far as other police officers, have they arrested anybody on campus? I, I could probably research that and find out, but off the top of my head, I would say no. It could have happened, say, a police officer contacted somebody in the parking lot for the library. They were in possession of marijuana, and they were cited for possession by a, a minor. The same as they, they could be uh, written a ticket for um, possessing alcohol, same, same kind of thing, um, being under the age of 21. In the two years, a little over two years I've been here, I have not cited any students for possession or consumption of, of marijuana. No, the, the police department doesn't have any real involvement in that here on the campus. In two years, I have not dealt with a possession of cannabis by a student. What experience does the Colorado Police Department have with dealers on CC's campus? Yeah, so I would say, so if campus safety came to me and said, hey, we found 10 pounds of marijuana, baggies of um, empty baggies, a scale, and a pile of cash, I would investigate that as a distribution of marijuana case. It has not occurred in the two years I've been here, uh, so...
Colorado College's policy on marijuana, as released by the president's office in December of 2013, states that, quote, the college is dedicated to providing the finest liberal arts education in the country. And to achieve this mission, we seek to foster a healthy learning environment. We believe marijuana use conflicts with this mission, end quote. Apart from a moral aversion to cannabis use, the college is outwardly anti-marijuana due to, their, due to the support it receives from federal grants. The Pell Grant, Federal Supplemental Educational Opportunity Grants, and federal, federally funded research grants would all be in jeopardy if the college had a tolerant use policy towards cannabis. Because of this factor, the college is strictly anti-marijuana, prohibiting both recreational and medicinal use of the drug. The college further detailed their position by saying that this, quote, policy does not allow the use of marijuana, whether on campus or off campus. If a student violates this code, he or she is sub subject to disciplinary action through the college's judicial process. But what are the steps in this judicial process? We decided to reach out to Campus Safety for more information. It's Pete with Campus Safety. How are you doing? So what is the role of campus safety when it comes to uh, cannabis enforcement on campus? What we do normally, um, we just document any, um, because it goes to conduct and that's something that's assessed and or determined at that level. So we'll, we, we basically just document everything that we come across that's related to drugs or alcohol or weapons and and so do you so you pass that all off to conduct um and so you don't determine any of the kind of consequences correct correct how many times a week would you say you have a cannabis related incident uh you know you know i would say they're not as they're not that frequent um just because um, things are just a little bit not normal, you know, uh, since everybody's come back. Um, Pre-COVID, it was hard to say. Um, I'd have to look at some data, but, you know, they're just not that frequent. What does the enforcement of the campus campus policy look like, and is campus safety in charge of this enforcement process? Um, you know, we rely on uh, information from, you know, of course, in the residential buildings, the residential life staff will report uh, instances, uh, observations, uh, odors, things of that nature that would lead us to or would bring us to that sort of thing, the discovery. Um, sometimes they discover it and they just let us know and we, you know, document and we take and collect items if, if that's the case. Like, how would you describe the culture of marijuana use at CC from your perspective? Um, you know, it, as far as I can say, and as far as I can tell, I mean, it's for the most part, it's 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 very discreet. Um, I mean, it's just like I said, we haven't run into it too terribly much. Um, um, every once in a while, we'll collect um, paraphernalia smoking devices, apparatus, things of that nature. Any experience with dealers on campus? Not, I mean, not to my knowledge. I mean, if, if we're talking about, um, you know, some of that is determined legally by the, uh, the amount in possession. Um, we haven't, you know, I can't say that, we, you know, we've run into anything um, like that and or had any reason to suspect, not in recent times anyway was in college for two months and I got like three jobs and I was like, wow, I'm making no money. And then I started selling like weed probably like 
two months into college. Um, and then I did it until COVID hit. And uh, yeah. Um, like how much would you say like you sold a week? Uh, I would say for the first like month and a half, two months, I sold probably like, uh, I would say like 14, 15 ounces, like every two, two, three weeks. And then after that, I was probably selling like two, three pounds a month at least. Um, all in different quantities, like mainly in ounces, but, uh, the less people would buy eighths, I would make like $30. And if I sold ounces, I would make probably like around $70, um, in terms of like the percent differentiation to like the ratio of what I was sold, I was making like 300% profit on eighths and on ounces, I was making like 60% profit. So yeah. Was there a lot of competition between other dealers when you sold on campus? <laughs> no. <laughs> I had, no. I had, like, I mean, there was in the beginning, but then all those dealers I convinced to work for me. Um, and I had, like, seven, eight people working for me by the end of my little my little operation. So, not really. I mean, I was mainly selling to, like, freshmen and sophomores just because they didn't have as much access to the stuff I was selling. Uh, but no, no, I, I didn't know there was, um, and have you ever interacted with campus safety around your dealing? Yeah, I have. Um, there was a time I went climbing and I didn't tell my mom <laughs> that I was coming back like a day later from my climbing trip and she like thought I was dead. Like when I came back Monday out of this spot in like New Mexico, I came out and like, I had like 30 of my friends text me and like, where are you? Where are you? And apparently campus safety, like went in my room and like found my rolling tray and my bong. And thank God I had all my stuff that I was selling hidden. But I remember coming back and they went in and they were like, they were like, is there anything else? And I was like, yeah, no, no, you can check, you can check. And they, they did, and they looked, but I had my stuff, like, very well hidden. And that happened a few times. I remember once I forgot my bag in Rastles, and they brought it to campus security. And uh, I actually just went and picked it up, and they didn't even find the scale in there, but they found the ounce, um, which was fun. A few other times... I think, like, one time I just, like, ran because <laughs> I was, like, I was selling to someone, like, near a party, and then campus security was approaching me, and I was just, like, I'm just going to book it, and I did, and then they, I, that was kind of it. But, I mean, besides that, I was, like, very, very safe with it <laughs> besides that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a few, few interactions with them, but I think – I think they honestly focused on, like, the right stuff. Like, I don't think they – I think they – like, one thing I made sure not to sell was Coke just because I don't – I don't want to give that to anyone, and I think that backing down on stuff like that as far as I was aware of. So I think they – I think they didn't care that weed was being smoked on campus as much. And did you see campus safety as a legitimate threat ever? Uh, yes, for sure. I was definitely scared. Like, a lot of people that were working under me, some of them bailed, and they were like, I don't want to do this. Like, a lot of people have told me they had friends that got kicked out, and, like, 
yeah, like I know, I know a kid that got kicked out for dealing. One of the people that worked under me actually got kicked out and like snitched on me, but I had a fake name. So he snitched on me using that fake name. And if I didn't have that fake name, I would not be here right now. So yeah, it was very risky. It was definitely very scary. And I saw them as a threat because they didn't want dealing happening on campus. I don't think they were like doing intense, intense investigations, but they were definitely like doing like adequate precautionary measures to make sure that it wouldn't be easy. Our former dorm room dealer friend drew the same conclusion that we came to after speaking to campus safety. They aren't too concerned about marijuana on campus. They instead focus their efforts on things they find more pressing, like the presence of coke on campus. He is a non-target as a student of a predominantly white institution. Regardless of his race, there are protocols in place that give students of a PWI a buffer between their actions and the law. When we spoke to our campus resource officer, Sid, he referred us back to campus safety because he had not been involved in any campus-related incidents. Our dorm room dealer worried about getting in trouble with the law, but his more pressing concern was campus safety catching him, resulting in expulsion from CC. After hearing from two different drug enforcement officers on campus, as well as a student perspective of dealing on campus, we have a more holistic view of how cannabis functions on Colorado College campus. From Violet, George, Gabby, Olivia, and Max. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Olivia, Max, Gabby, Violet, and George for their awesome work researching, interviewing for, and editing their podcast. Their music was provided and produced by Alitu Editing Software. The Holbert Center for Southwest Studies podcast is made possible through the support of our Southwest Studies faculty, Eric Paramond, Karen Royball, Nancy Rios, and Santiago Guerra, as well as our administrative assistant, Carol Hernandez, and our student assistant, Yasmin Kali. This podcast is produced with the financial support of the Holbert Center for Southwest Studies Endowment and the Salazar Fund for Southwest Studies. I'm Sarah Katzev, and thanks for listening.